speeches, debating, impromptu speaking, conversations, presentations, interviews, tips, and advice. Welcome to the Stand Up and Speak podcast, where we discuss everything to do with public speaking. Hi, good afternoon, and welcome to the Stand Up and Speak podcast. My name is Miss Natty, and I am the vice principal here at Stand Up and Speak. And I would love to welcome our guest today, Hashir Jaffrey. Welcome, Hashir. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure having you here today. So just a little bit of some information about our guest speaker today, Hashir. Hashir is a student. He's also a Lions Provincial contestant. He's a high school graduate. He also is a DISC behavioral consultant and an up incoming U of T Rotman student and a wonderful student here at Stand Up and Speak. He is a pleasure to have in my senior class. And I do enjoy working with him and getting to learn more about him and having him share his experiences in Stand Up and Speak and outside of Stand Up and Speak. But Hashir, can you go over your DISC behavioral consultant and what you do there? Sure. Well, before that, thank you so much for your kind words. I, I really enjoy you having a teacher at Stamp and Speak. So the DISC training is basically um, a personality model test assessment. So each person, each individual, they, by nature and by their upbringing, they are basically designated into one of the four personality categories. So there's a D, the I, the S, and the C. And they each stand for something, so they're all, they're all acronyms. D stands for dominant, I stands for influence, S stands for steadiness, and C stands for compliance. And so each of these personalities um, is really represents a specific type of person. So a D is someone who's more of a dominant character. They like to be the leader. You can think of someone like, who, who do you think is someone of a dominant person? I would say Barack Obama when I'm thinking of a leader. Yeah, Barack Obama would be an example. And I is someone who loves talking. So Miss Jackal yep. or yourself, is, I would say you're an I. And S is someone who's more steady, like to be normal, keep the calm, not to, they don't want to be too popular. They just want to get, they want to be a normal type of person. That's right? Varun. <laughs> and then the C is more of a technical kind of person. So an engineer you can think of, Albert Einstein is an example. Very awesome. Yeah, I remember you were giving me my... My letter, and he said I was an I, right? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Perfect. Well, for today, our main focus is going to be how to prepare for contest, and you're an expert at this. He actually just competed in the Lions contest last weekend, and I was fortunate enough to watch him compete. We're going to also talk about university interviews and how has public speaking helped you in these different categories of your life. But first, what are your career career goals, Hashir? So being 16 years old, it really changes every week. <laughs> I know a lot of people would say that as well. For this week, I would say I would want to be a management consultant for a few years and then maybe transition to starting my own enterprise. I think when it comes to a career path, you really need to work in an industry that you're passionate about and you feel like you have a purpose in being there. You know, Simon Sinek, he has this book called Start With Why, in which it's really about why you wake up in bed to really do the work that you want to do. What is it about the work that motivates you to continue doing what you're doing? And for me, it's really um, giving impact to society, improving social welfare, and also the environment. And so when it comes to tying that with management consulting, I would definitely want to work in an industry where I'm helping businesses become more sustainable or improving social welfare. Awesome. And how did you realize or what drove you into kind of going into that route? when it comes to figuring out what you want to do for your career path? 
I think one thing is the extracurricular activities that you take. And then it's also the academics, the courses that you take. So I I'm a, I love math and I love English, not so much of science. So, you know, I'm that means I'm a business guy. I love economics. I think the extracurriculars also exposes you to different um, areas, d- different industries that you can you can work in. So if you're working in a nonprofit organization that focuses on the environment and you enjoy working there, then you would love to one day work in the climate change sector. If you're working on something that relates to poverty alleviation, then you'd want to work in something where you're making social impact. Awesome. Good. Very well done. Thank you for kind of giving us an idea of what drove you into that. I think it's really important to me being a teacher right now in school, we're really kind of pushing financial literacy Yeah. just because when I was in school, they never had that. So I just think that being able to pass this down and being so knowledgeable about it, it's so important in this day and age, especially figuring out finances, considering what we're going through right now. So I'd say it's a good and strong career choice for you. Thank you. How important is public speaking for the next generation? Yeah, so with the rise of ChatGPT and AI, I think public speaking is more important than ever. It's it's proof that there's less need for technical skills like coding or copywriting, and there's more need for public speaking or soft skills because you're not AI won't be able to um, be able to present in front of a crowd or give an idea, a philosophical idea present their thoughts on a specific issue, right? That's, I, I feel like public speaking is one of the, is now proven to be one of the most important skills that, that anyone has gained. Um, and other skills like coding and Python is still important, but I personally believe that public speaking is more important than those, especially with AI and chat GPT and, you know, new inventions and new startups that are building around this whole ecosystem. Yeah, I agree. Even though, you know, technology definitely is taking over and students are utilizing it more and even adults too, you're never not going to be able to use your public speaking skills. It's something that's going to be passed down and used for generations to come. And speaking is a part of your daily life. So making sure that you have that fundamental basis of speaking and being able to speak professionally and in a good manner and a strong manner too, it's going to really help you in the long run. So I definitely back you up on that 100%. Yeah. What or who has been an instrumental person or I guess anything that's been successful for you in your life? I would say my parents, specifically my dad. Um, And that's mainly because he pushed me and and my mom as well. They pushed me to do a lot of things. So public speaking, um, you know, my dad would every night he would sit down and he would teach me some math. He would uh, teach me English writing, literature writing. And I think my whole focus on my whole development of learning and also gaining soft skills came from them. Their push and their drive for me to do it really has kind of shaped me into being who I am today. That's awesome. You make sure that he listens to the podcast so that he can hear his shout out and same with your mom as well. Actually, I have a question for you. Last week when we were at the contest, one of the judges was asking or saying like, how many of you are teachers in the audience? So we rose our hands and I noticed that your dad did too. So what does your dad do for work? So my dad, he part-time he he teaches math. Okay. So at, at my school, he, he does part-time as well. And I was like fortunate enough to be in his class when he was teaching. Okay. <laughs> and that's why I, got, I had like those high 90s. <laughs> well, that's good. I, list, I guess because if he's a mathematician too, so that's also helping you right in the long run. Yeah. And if he's a strong teacher, which I can tell he is, just seeing how you are today and how your brother is, then you had a good teacher. So that's awesome. 
yeah, he's definitely one of the best. Oh, that's awesome. That's sweet. What is the best advice you can offer today's students? The, the advice that I would offer is to go out and do a lot more extracurricular activities. So when I was in high school or maybe even middle school, I focused a lot on academics. And then I fast-tracked about one semester. And in this one semester, I feel like I've benefited a lot more than what I did in the past, mainly because of the connections and the network and the experience that I'm building that will definitely help me a lot in my future career path. Academics will only get you so far, but when you want to land a job or land an interview, um, you start your own enterprise or your own venture, you're going to need to have those social skills or that experience. And I... I firmly believe that you should be, all students should be focusing a lot on extracurriculars. So playing sports, volunteering, starting their own high school clubs or starting their own organizations. I think those are more important because they develop certain skills that you can't get just by doing academics. I definitely agree with you. I think that's the thing that we're missing. And I'd say not only parents, but educators and just people in general, when you go and apply for a job, nobody's asking for your grades. Yeah. And most of the questions that they're asking you are about your learning skills and things outside of your academics. So yes, it's good to put an effort and get those, you know, 90s and 100%. But at the end of the day, it's not going to get you the job if you can't A, articulate properly and be able to advocate for yourself. And B, if you don't have those learning skills, those letter grades that we give you on your report card are what make you who you are, right? So if you're not responsible, if you're not organized, if you're not showing initiative and being responsible or showing that discipline that you have, chances are employers are not going to want to hire you because that's what they're looking to employ. So I'm happy that you said that because I think it's something that kind of needs to be stated more often. Academics, yes, there's an importance to it, but outside of education, there's also an important factor that you have to kind of get yourself into and kind of figure out what you do and join what you like. Definitely. Even when you look at university applications, universities, they are starting to look more carefully into your extracurriculars, right? Before, if you look at 20 years, for my parents, all they cared about was getting 100% on their yep. final exams. Today, it's a lot different. People who have a 98% with poor extracurriculars might not get into UFT or even Harvard or Wharton or any of the big universities. Um, whereas those who have an 87% with amazing extracurriculars can get in. So even, even now, I think universities are starting to have a strong importance on ECs because they want to recruit students or get they want students to get into their school who will kind of make their universities proud. And you can only do that if you have strong ECs, being the co-founder of a club or, you know, being um, a varsity athlete. I agree. You know, and just like you were saying with your parents, it's not even just with your parents, even with my generation. I don't think I applied to any university that asked me what extracurricular activities I was a part of or any kind of clubs outside of academics. All they wanted to see was my grades. So just to see that they're shifting away from that and having that ability to show both, I think it's so important and it's so necessary right now in this day and age. Because you have to be versatile. You can't just be this one person who's just going to work all day and yeah. not have that other aspect to your life because that's just not realistic anymore. So that's awesome to hear. And then how did you get started or why was it such a lifelong skill to get you started in public speaking? Well, how I started, I think it was when I was six years old. My parents basically pushed me to go and speak at my local community center. I don't remember what it was about, but 
every time I had the chance, my, par- my parents would push me to go and do it, even though I didn't want to do it. And they would be supportive in the way that you, they would even write my speeches for me. And so as I grew older, I, I basically kept doing public speaking uh, in front of large audiences. And I believe it's a lifelong skill because you're going to have to use it in university, in your interviews, in your jobs. You have to be creating PowerPoint presentations and then you have to present it to partners and managing directors or even your bosses. It's it, it's a skill that you're going to need forever. Like Like I said... ChatGPT has kind of replaced a lot of jobs. There's a lot of companies that are already firing a lot of their their AI ethical team, their copywriting team. I can give you an example. I think I don't give an example, but it goes to show that public speaking is more important than ever. And it will be a lifelong skill for centuries, for decades, for centuries, for millennials. Awesome. That's great. And then you started at Stand Up and Speak. I think you were in grade 10, right? I was in grade nine. Grade nine, okay. And then what was your experience like when you first started? So when I started, it was it was quite interesting. Yeah. Um, it was a lot smaller than what it is now. Yes. It was more tight-knit. What we would do is that you would, you would give us like a paper and then we would have to write whatever we wanted to write, like a speech. And then with the paper or without the paper, we'd have to, we'd give, we would have to say it out loud and you would record us. And then send to our parents. I think that send the sending to our parents part was the stressful part, but I think I, I was able to learn a lot through that experience. Absolutely, I always say like when you're doing these videos, the best thing you can do is rewatch them to learn, because that's what you're. That's how you're going to pick on those signs of nervousness. That's how you're going to pick on things that you need to work on or things that you did really well at. Because it's going to make you stronger at the end of the day when it comes to being a stronger public speaker, right? Yeah. And I could definitely say it helped you in the long run because look at you here four years later doing it right now and you're doing so well at these competitions and even in classes. And a lot of students are learning from you, which is great. And a lot of parents even go up to you and commend you for your speaking ability. So job well done to you. Thank you. This is an interesting question. I want to see if I either know or do not know this. But what is one thing that many people do not know about you? You already know about this. I think everyone at Stand Up and Speak knows about this. My friends know about this. Um, I don't have a phone. (laughs) (laughs) I have never downloaded Twitter, never Facebook, never Instagram or Snapchat. And I have no idea what TikTok is. You don't want to know. It's horrible. So, (laughs) I mean, I I was attending, I went to UFT for Model UN, like a public speaking competition. And, you know, at the end, one of the benefits of going to these competitions is really the connections that you gain, the people that you work with, and that they can help you later in life. And so everyone everyone was exchanging their Instagram um, codes, their names. Their Instagram handles, yeah, yes. Yeah, and I was like, everyone's asking me, what's yours? I said, I don't have a phone. And they're like, oh, wow. So it was actually, people actually admire you if you don't have social media. I think that's a good thing then, Is not it, to use it. Yeah, I could definitely see that. You know, growing up, we didn't have phones, right? So it was nice being able to be a kid that wasn't, sitting behind a screen drawn into social media. You know, I'm not going to say that there is only negatives to it. No, there's definitely positives that people can learn from. But to see that some of these kids don't even just kind of go outside to play with their friends. And if they want to talk to their friends, it's just through their phones. They're missing out on such a big part of their life, which is so sad to see because growing up, we didn't have that. And we grew up enjoying life and living life and being able to actually experience things where now people are more concerned of taking the picture to have that experience. And I definitely say it's not the same thing. You really have to live in the moment and really live that experience without having to think about the technology behind it. Yeah. So good for you. Do you think you're ever going to get technology or use a phone? 
Well, I will have to for university. I mean, like if, you know, the way that I'm going to be commuting, I'm going to be away from my family for a couple of hours, right? So it's important that they know where I am. So in that case, yes, I will need to have a phone in a couple of months, but um, I will I will try to limit my social media use. Screen time will help you with that. And then what is your, or who I should say, is your favorite public speaker and why? So you know this already, it's Simon Sinek. The reason why I like him so much is his conversational approach to public speaking. Uh, he takes more, the way he talks is as if it's a one-on-one conversation, even though he's speaking to a thousand different individuals. And that's one thing that I really like about him. 20 years ago, the way that we would love public speakers is different than how we love them today. 20 years ago, you would like to listen to a speech, someone like Martin Luther King Jr., where you have all these emotions and you have this philosophical symbolism and deep terminology. Today, we just want something short, quick, funny, and conversational. And I think one of the reasons is because of social media. Simon Sinek, he, he, even the topics that he talks about is very relevant to people like my age. He has conversations on social media on what uh, teenage, teenage life is like. But most, most of his conversations are on organizational behavior, leadership, um, finding your why in your work life. He's more of like a work, your, your guru to work life balance. Okay. That's him. And I feel like the, the knowledge that he gives out is very important, very crucial for all of us. Okay. Well, definitely. We'll definitely take a look at Simon Sinek and learn more from him so we can all have that work life balance that we need. So enough of those questions. We're going to move on to rapid fire questions. So what's going to happen, Hashir, is I'm going to ask you 10 questions. Okay. And you have to answer 10 questions in one minute or less. Okay. So let's see if you can do it. I know you do like to expand on your answers, which is great. But now we're going to put you to the test to see how well you can answer these questions in a minute or less. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. It's time to test your impromptu speaking skills with rapid fire. Can you answer 10 random questions in less than one minute? Your first question is question number one. What is one goal you want to achieve this year? One goal that I have is do you want to pick a different question? This is a different, yeah. Okay. What's your favorite snack food? Favorite snack food, I would say, is broccoli. Okay. What's your favorite subject in school? Math. Favorite saying or quote? Um, I forgot the quote now. Oh, God. Um, the bad news is that life is short. The good news is that you're the pilot. Okay. And then are you a summer or winter person? I'm a summer person. Do you watch any TV? No. Okay, I'm not going to ask you that question. What's your best form or what's your favorite form of exercise? Cardio. Cardio? Okay, let's ask one more question. What is the best book you have read? The Infinite Game by Simon Sinek. Perfect, thank you. That was hard. It is definitely hard when you're being put on the spot and asked these questions as much as you wish you could restart them. Yeah. Trying to see if you can handle the one minute is definitely difficult if you haven't seen the questions or know what to say. So I remember when I did my rapid fire, I was like confused too. I'm like, what am I going to say? Because some of these questions, you haven't really thought about them. So I commend you. You did a really great job. That was six questions. So that's not that bad. (laughs) Halfway there. So that's great. But I do want to thank you, Hashir, for being a guest speaker today at our Stand Up and Speak podcast. I'm sure that many people can learn from you, whether it's children or adults educators, people in the business world, people in general can just learn a lot from you. So I do appreciate you being here and being our guest at our Stand Up and Speak podcast. Thank you so much. I appreciate the initiative for you guys to start a podcast and really inspire youth and other adults to talk about public speaking. Absolutely. And hopefully that you can also spread the word. 
people can hear more about our famous and awesome podcasts over here and they can be worldwide soon or one day, but we do appreciate having you here. And I want to thank our listeners for listening to the Stand Up and Speak podcast. And we look forward to hearing or seeing from you soon. Stand Up and Speak has trained thousands of students in the art of public speaking. For the past 20 years, we have produced numerous regional, provincial, and national public speaking champions. Our programs are fun, interactive, educational, and life-changing. Check out our Google reviews or visit us online at www.standupandspeak.com.